Today, my friend Pam is on the show, and she's going to be talking about what it was like to grow up in a home with an alcoholic father, how she protected her younger siblings when her dad was at his worst, but she also shared some of the happy memories. She talks about how a relationship with Jesus is what ultimately brought her to the place that she is now. Mostly, though, it's Pam's life repurposed story of how God took the difficulties in her life and turned them into opportunities to grow and to become a cheerleader for others. Pam is a gifted Bible teacher and writer, and we talk about her latest book, Discovering Good News in John. I also mentioned a giveaway we're having with that. It's all packed into this interview with Pam Farrell. You're listening to Life Repurposed, where you'll find practical biblical wisdom for everyday living, creative inspiration, and helpful resources. Grow your faith, improve your relationships, discover your purpose, and reach your goals with topics to encourage you to find hope amid the trashy stuff of life. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Welcome, Pam. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's so nice to be with you, Michelle. I can't wait to be like face to face, live and in person, real hot coffee in our hands. Yeah. Someday. <laughs> we haven't even crossed paths at a conference. Oh, yes, we did. We were at a writer's conference yep. when you and Bill spoke one time. So that's the only time we've actually sat, we've sat down for a couple minutes, I think. There and our hearts the are conference. so kindred and helping people with their marriages and families and personal yes. lives. And uh, plus we just... And raising boys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And yours are all grown and married, right? They are. So we are, um, we have three daughter-in-laws now and we have five grandkids that are here and two more coming in January. Yeah. And um, our oldest just started high school. I can't believe that. My goodness. Oldest grandchild (laughs) is in high school. Wow. Yeah, we got married young and our son got married young. So that means our granddaughter is entering high school when I'm still feeling young. Does that count? I know. Isn't that crazy? I still feel really young, too. And you look really young, too. So, hey, I'll be your BFF and tell you that forever. Okay, Okay, good. Great. You can tell me I look 30 forever. That would be great. (laughs) I wanted to know if you have any hobbies that you've had since you were a child. Have you had any that you've kept? Wow. Ones that I've kept. Yes. Yeah. That would be like dancing. Okay. Ooh. But it's changed. You know, it used to be like tap, ballet, Hawaiian, baton twirling. <laughs> right. But now we live on a liveaboard boat and there's a concert that happens Saturdays in the park that's close enough that we can hear the band from the bow of our boat. So Bill and I just like dance romantically on the bow of our boat. And people, yeah, it's so funny. People like they didn't know our names when we first moved to the um, marina. So they (laughs) called us the dancing couple. I'm like, that's all right. (laughs) That is so fun. Yeah. For the listener who doesn't know, you don't have a traditional home. Right. We downsized um, and we because Bill's parents we will get more into that because Mm -hmm. 
your show does cover like big transitions <laughs> right. and challenges, right? But we did downsize. Um, we had a large home and it was kind of like a ministry compound. It was uh, the offices downstairs, a nice home upstairs, a big old building for shipping and receiving and a studio. And we gave all that up because Bill's parents then were 88 mm-hmm. uh, and they needed uh, full-time care. Yeah. Mm. So we downsized and we gave it all away and uh, mostly to young couples and people (laughs) in the ministry and military families. It was kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Every day we'd be like, Lord, show me who this (laughs) dining room table is supposed to go to. It was an an adventure. And Mm. we moved on to a liveaboard boat. And how that happened, my husband, he came to me. He's like, Pam, I really think we do need to move closer to my parents. Mm. And, um, what do you feel about living on a liveaboard boat? And I'm like three fourths mermaid. That would be the other <laughs> hobby I kept, you know, since childhood is swim, 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 uh, added to that kayaking and paddleboarding. So I didn't even hesitate. I'm like, hashtag crazy fun midlife adventure. Yeah, I love it. I totally love it. But right before we went on, uh, I had to come inside because the sea lions were too loud and a scuba diver uh, yelled in my portal. I, that's not a normal thing for your These guests are, to have happen. No, not things that have <laughs> happened on the podcast before. Well, that is really an interesting story because there's downsizing and then there's downsizing. I don't <laughs> know if I could downsize enough to live on a boat. I'm not sure. The ocean's <laughs> calling you. <laughs> yeah, it is beautiful. But you know, um, Phil would not be real motivated to move to the ocean. I know it sounds like I'm saying Bill, but our husband's names rhyme, Phil and Bill. Um, So yeah, I don't think I could move to the ocean and get him to do it. But if it were a mountain cabin, he would downsize for that. There we go. That's my brother. My brother's a a real life cowboy, John Wayne. He owns a (laughs) cattle ranch in the mountains. I love that you guys have found something that really fits both of your personalities. And what a beautiful testimony to the ministry that you have as well, that you can live together on a boat. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. And it gets better. The story gets better. You'll see. (laughs) But it does. It takes, I told Bill, we moved onto the boat. If we can make our love wise marriage (laughs) principles work here, we can make them work anywhere. That's right. Yeah. So let's rewind a little bit and go back to your childhood. I know we're alluding forward to where you are now, but I'd like to know a little bit about what your family was like growing up. So um, I'm the firstborn daughter of an alcoholic dad. Uh, I always thought that our family would make the headlines, but not for Mm. a good reason, more like man shoots family than shoots Mm. himself. A lot of domestic violence in the home that I grew up in. But my My mom's best friend, Kathy, was the secretary of a little teeny tiny church in a little teeny tiny town that we Mm -hmm. lived in. And she saw the chaos that we were living in. And she's like, hey, Afton, why don't you and the kids come to church? And my mom was like doing all she could to try to hold our Mm -hmm. life together, to hold our family together to try to make things quote normal when when the normal for her was you know putting me as a baby on her hip and going down to the bar to drag my dad out Mm. so um she's like yeah 
<laughs> and, you know, the cool thing about that is I had a lot of happiness in my childhood, too, because my mom was a very creative mom. And we went, you know, to the pool every day, swimming, Cracker Jacks afterwards <laughs> to the public library. So I fell in love with books. Mm. Um, so it wasn't all bad. But mm-hmm. when my dad was drinking, he was volatile and mm-hmm. you just never knew who you were going to get, Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde. And um, so we showed up at church and I was like seven and my sweet mom didn't know a lot about church other than she thought she should get everybody all dressed up. So I even had white gloves and lots of petticoats and patent leather shoes on when she <laughs> hauled me into church that day. And... Um, I remember the people were so loving, so kind. And my little girl heart is like, oh, this is what love looks like. Mm. Huh. I want to know the author of love. I want to know this Jesus that they keep talking about. And so a big spiritual, you know, aha moment, renewal, um, open door uh, happened especially when okay so I'm first born so that means I'm the one in the family that likes to try to you know I'm a little bit type a driver except I'm the first born too there so you I, go. I hear you <laughs> <laughs> right we we like magnets to each other like mm-hmm. because we carry the world on our shoulders and mm-hmm. we want to do everything right and best and you know all that so um the pastor came in and he said to our little Sunday school class if you memorize a verse uh, you can have a prize out of this treasure chest. And so I'm like, hey, I can do that. <laughs> so I memorized this verse. The first one was Psalms 23. And um, I pulled uh, out a little cross and it glowed in the dark. And mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, cool. And so I put it up on my bulletin board. And um, then the pastor said, if you memorize Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you could have a place on quiz team. Now, in a teeny <laughs> tiny town, quiz team is like American Idol. I mean, you wanted to make quiz team. I'm going to pop in here for a second. Let me just tell you what Bible quizzing is. This was a, I think it's still around, but when I was a teenager, churches would put together Bible quiz teams and they would learn scripture. So, uh, kind of like Bible trivia almost a little bit, but not they're not trivial things. And then they would go to tournaments essentially and compete with other teams to see kind of like high school quiz bowl and math whiz and or mathletes and all those things that are out there. There was a Bible version of that for Christian teenagers. So that's what that was. So I'm going to hop back into the interview now. And so I was sitting on my bed one day memorizing Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which is Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. And my dad had been drinking, so he was out of control. And my sweet mom was trying to talk him down. My siblings were playing in my brother's room next door. And my dad got so volatile. I was afraid for my brother and sister. So I ran to get them. I pulled him into my room. I slammed the door. I pushed the chest of drawers, a five-drawer chest of drawers in front of the door so dad couldn't get in and hurt us. I tucked my brother and my sister in bed. Mm. And I shut off the light and climbed in with them. Mm. And there glowing in the dark was that <laughs> little cross. And on it, it read, Jesus lives. And I remember praying, Jesus, the pastor says, you're stronger than anything. You're mo- more mighty than anything. You're more loving. Um, 
and I would like for Mm -hmm. you to come into my life. Could you be my best friend? Could you be my, you know, my savior, my Lord, all those (laughs) churchy words. Basically, Mm -hmm. God, can you, you know, Jesus take the wheel, you know, carry it do it. Uh, And that's what I prayed. And P.S. God, if you could work it out, I'd love to marry a pastor one day. (laughs) Yeah, you know the story. So fast forward to December 1979. Who do I marry? Yeah, Bill Farrell, who's Mm -hmm. headed to seminary to be a pastor. So God answered all of those cries of that little girl's heart. After that time, then, when you gave your life to Jesus as such a little girl, How did he show up in places after that? Like, how did he draw you to him? You know, I think that the biggest thing that was a gift to me was shortly after that, uh, my friend Kelly, um, she was the same age as me, and we happened to get baptized on the same day. And my parents gave me this little white Bible. And my friend Kelly said, are you having your quiet times? And I'm like, what? What's that? She's like, you know, that new Bible that you got? Um, Yeah. If you open it up, that's God's way of talking to you. And when you pray, that's our way of talking to God. And you should do that every day. You can do it in the morning. That's when my mama does it. Or you can do it at night. That's when I like to do it before I go to sleep. And so I did. Here's a little eight-year-old discipling and mentoring a little other eight-year-old, and it worked. And I tell you, no matter what I was going through in life, um, that little red letter Bible, Mm -hmm. I started with the red letters, Mm -hmm. those things that Jesus said, uh, that little red letter Bible just helped me navigate the ups and downs of our life. And, you know, um, I did have the benefit of living in the country. I lived on a farm right down the road from my grandparents. Now, um, my grandparents were not believers until very late in their life. But I would take that little Bible and I would, like, let's say my dad was like out of control drinking. And I would just pick up my Bible and my favorite books and put them in like a little backpack. And I would walk up to my grandparents' farm and go sit on a rock or the top of the sheep shed. And, you know, Mm -hmm. God would meet me there. And horseback riding, walking a country road. You know, I had enough of God's word in my heart that when I was out in nature, oftentimes I just Mm -hmm. felt like he was speaking to me and giving me insight and wisdom on basically how to stay Mm -hmm. alive and help my brother and sister stay alive in in such a crazy, you know, home life. So now as I'm hearing you say that, it makes me understand why it's so important to you to be teaching and writing Bible studies and devotionals for other people to get God's word into their hearts. That is, that's totally right. I just, mm-hmm. I think it's God's full circle. I, you know, growing up on a Suffolk sheep farm uh, and then being able to do discovering hope in the Psalms. And one of the chapters was on Psalms 23, all about, you know, I was a bow peep and I got to write about the good shepherd. And then in this latest Bible mm-hmm. study, discovering the good news in John, uh, two of the chapters, two of the devotionals, one's about Jesus being the gate of the sheep or the door of the sheep. You know, everybody 
has to come through him. Um, and he keeps us safe. And that was his, that was the shepherd's job is to sit and be the gate or the doorway. And then Jesus is the good shepherd. Yeah. And I know what a good shepherd looks like because, you know, I, I, I tended to my sheep, but I, you know, I, I had a little, my first sheep was in 4-H, was a a little bummer lamb. That means the mom had rejected that lamb. And so I fed that lamb um, bunny with a baby bottle. And I like, she followed me around and I carded her (laughs) wool. I would put her over my shoulders. It was like everywhere that Pammy went, the lamb was sure to go kind of relationship, right? And so I know what a good shepherd looks like. I know what it means to stay up all night and mm-hmm. defend off wild animals and wild packs of dogs to keep your, you know, your sheep alive. And um, so Jesus, he, he went to the cross. He went the distance for all of us. You know, I love the He left yeah. the 99 to go get the one. And he's so faithful to do that because that's his character mm-hmm. to be that good shepherd. This episode is sponsored by ClassicMarriageBook.com. Is your marriage ready for the long haul? In a marriage, there will be hours of maintenance work, tinkering, breakdowns, meltdowns, blowups, cute photo ops, wear and tear, overhauls, memories, vacations, celebrations, and repairs. There will be moments where you haul yourselves back to the garage for work. Like a trusty old truck, a classic marriage isn't perfect, but who can put a price tag on it? In this book, you'll find inspiration, honesty, and self-deprecating humor from the front seat of adventure with Michelle and Phil. Tips to get under the hood and keep your marriage on the road to a long future. Tune up questions in every chapter to work on your communication. Tools to cool overheated emotions and repair broken hearts. You can find more at classicmarriagebook.com and find out how to get your copy of Classic Marriage, Staying in Love as Your Odometer Climbs, and the downloadable discussion questions that you can do together. God has given you such a passion, especially for couples, and and then you have... um, a ministry to women as well. And I just love hearing the passion in your voice as you talk about that, because he has taken, this is life repurposed, he's taken what was trauma to you as a child, and how he healed it, and then he's turned it into a ministry for you, helping others find that path as well. That's one of the reasons I love your book, Repurposed, and, you know, the heartbeat Mm -hmm. of your ministry. Um, because really that is what God did for Bill and I, if you think about it, okay. So on my side of the equation, you know, my dad was volatile. My parents' marriage ended uh, when I was 18, 19. Uh, So I've even written a book with the help of my mom, uh, 10 best decisions a single mom can make, you know, because I have a heart for single moms. I saw how hard it was. There is quite the transition, you know, to start over in life. And um, so I have a heart for all kinds of women, but I definitely have a heart for marriages um, because I saw how difficult marriage was for my parents. Um, But Bill, same on his side of the equation, his parents actually, until his dad went to be with Jesus uh, this spring, um, his parents had been married nearly 70 years, uh, which is a long time. 
but they were miserable. <laughs> they were like always arguing up until the day he died. They argued like they mm. just couldn't seem to be nice to one another. <laughs> and um, yeah, it. I just thought that, well, that's commitment for sure. Bill's dad, he's committed. Um <laughs> But it wasn't happy. And Bill and I, we were like, Lord Jesus, please help us do something better. You know, we're getting married young. So God just like remake us, like give us good mentors. And we were so desperate for good mentors. My grandparents were good mentors. They were happily married. They went dancing every Saturday night. And oftentimes you would catch them kissing and dancing in the kitchen. They were, they had a happy marriage. So I did see what a happy marriage could look like. But when Bill and I got married, we were so desperate for good mentors that um, Bill and I, would we would stand in the back of a, the church uh, where we were working on, with youth at the time. And um, we would look for couples that maybe had their arm around each other or holding hands, still had a twinkle in their eye, a little bit of gray hair. And we would go park ourselves behind <laughs> them. And then during the greeting time, Bill would say something like, hey, you guys look like you're in love. How did you do it? And the older, wiser couple would be like, "Um, well, we'd love to share that with you, but we only have like a minute or so right here. What if we took you to lunch? And so over lunch, we just ask all kinds of questions like what was the hardest season and how'd you get through it? And what do you do every day to keep the atmosphere happy Uh, in your marriage? What what do you do to draw closer to each other and pull in the same direction? Just all kinds of questions. Mm -hmm. And they would download all this great wisdom. And then they paid for lunch. It was like, (laughs) win, win. Yeah. (laughs) So now we are the ones paying uh, when we take young couples out. Because I that's love the that way things go, right? Yeah, it comes full circle. It but does. it sounds to me like you figured out a way to pursue what some people might do through counseling or therapy. Like you knew you needed to pursue some sort of help. We did. We it was so obvious. When we got married, we knew three things. We loved each other, we loved God, we had not a clue on how to make a good marriage. And so um, we did, we went out of our way to go to good conferences, to invite mentors into our life. And we're talking like once a week, let's meet for coffee. So pretty intense mentoring, marriage mentoring. And then we had the opportunity to go away to, um, you know, Bible college and seminary. And um, we took every class on marriage. We hung out at our professors' homes. And in fact, we hung out so much with one professor, uh, Jim Jim and Sally Conway. um, They were both professors. We hung out so much with them that when Bill went into the lead pastorate, we had 10 years in youth ministry. Then we went in the lead pastorate when Bill was 28. Um, he, Bill called him up and said, you know, I need a, I need a mentor. I don't know what I'm doing here as a lead pastor. And so they started meeting with us. Um, and then they said, you know what, we really, Sally had had cancer for the third time. And they're like, you know, we really want to pass on our marriage ministry to a couple we believe in and we believe Mm -hmm. in you and you and Bill. And, um, so, let's write a book. Let's write a book together. So pure pleasure, making your marriage a great uh, affair. That was our first book. Most people are not crazy enough to write about SEX right out the door, (laughs) but we were just crazy enough. Um, And we, I mean, 
this world is so messed up in the advice that they give out there and God's advice is so much better when it comes to relationships. Mm -hmm. So we had seen lots of people's marriages transformed with just a little bit of God's good love insights. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what that first book was about. And and then it was one book after another till now, um, Discovering the Good News and John is book 57. No, that's uh, so amazing. That's a, <laughs> yeah, between you. And that's, that is just a legacy that you're leaving for other people. I can imagine, though, that that legacy has come with challenges along the way. Like, I don't imagine because, well, Phil and I had stable, stable upbringing, stable parents, Christian parents, and marriage was a challenge for us. So I can imagine that your journey has had equal number of challenges that ours had. So what are some of the ups and downs that you've been through, either as a couple or individually, where you've seen God show up in the midst of hard times? Right. Okay. So, and men are like waffles and like spaghetti. That's our bestseller. Yeah. And um, people are probably familiar with it now. It's I like heard that 50- quoted on a TV show recently. Yes. Right. Somebody yeah. Orange it. County Housewives. <laughs> oh, it was another show. I don't remember what it was, but um, oh, that's somebody mentioned me. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How fun. I think recently my highlight was when a Christian counselor sent us a thank you note that said, um, you know, I've used it in my practice for years, but um, when my husband left me and I was found myself as a single woman and began dating again, I used this, we used this in our dating days and it's really helped us have a happy relationship and here's a picture of our wedding cake and instead of a bride and a groom it was waffles and spaghetti on top <laughs> i'm like i guess i've made it i'm on the top of a wedding cake <laughs> it was so sweet because that's such a precious moment mm, yeah. um so yes we share a, about a few of our ups and downs um, and one of the early ones was um bill and i when we moved into the lead pastorate, part of the reasons so I could go back to school and finish my English degree and begin writing and running a women's ministry, et cetera. And Bill calls it my awakening that I just went full steam ahead and it was a little intimidating to him. Like, how could I do everything I need to do? And, you know, parent the boys when Bill when Pam's in class, et cetera. So he was, mm-hmm. It was a little stressful on him, so much so that we had like a year-long argument. Bill was trying to talk me out of going back to school and waiting. Um, We had a two-year-old at the time. He's like, just wait until Caleb's like five. And I'm like, but I I feel like God's calling me right now to get ready. And he wants me to, you know, finish my degree now. And um, so we had this, we would schedule, meet each other. He tried to talk me out of it. And we'd have conflict for a year, a year. <laughs> and so one night we got down on our knees, just like, Lord, we were honest, like, Lord, I thought I was answering your call, but Bill's mad at me all the time. <laughs> if I did something wrong or if I'm not hearing you, you know, you know, correct me, get me on course. And Bill's like, I love this woman, God, but I don't like her. Uh, right now and my life's really hard and so lord just lead us and guide us well the next day i got up 
uh, to go to school, to university. And I said, oh, wow, Bill, in my English class, every time we have class, I'm like standing up for my faith. And I know that you have to be on campus um, doing some filming. So could you just pray when you pass my classroom? Well, the the professor would start teaching that day. He's like talking about the romantics. Yes, everybody knows romance is just an illusion. No two people can stay in love for a lifetime. And all the women are like, yeah, because men are scum. And the door popped open. And in walked my handsome husband with a dozen roses and said, I love you and gave me a kiss and walked out. And the professor's like, so is it your birthday? I'm like, no, your anniversary. No. He's like, well, why did he come to class? And I said, well, I think that Bill just wanted me to know that he believes in me and he believes in the dream that's on my heart to be an author and a speaker and to help couples around the world. And then all the women are like, so does Bill have a brother? (laughs) yeah so you know we managed to navigate a year to stay in love even when we didn't see eye to eye and Mm -hmm. you know that was one of the first transitions that was definitely a challenge and the next transition that was definitely a challenge was when bill um was midlife and um i we had just gone on a walk and i'm like it felt like I said, hon, it just feels like our life is a beautiful hand crocheted afghan. You know, men are like waffles, like spaghettis on the bestseller list. And you just, you know, built this church from like 60 people to 700. And you just built this new building. And um, with your great architectural background before you went into the ministry. And our kids are teenagers, but they're making good choices. And I'm loving being a women's ministry director and speaker. Woohoo! Life just doesn't get any better than this. And then it's as if someone grabbed a hold of one string of that afghan and just Mm. began to unravel our life as we knew it. Mm. And it started with Bill. We were on a media tour. He wasn't feeling well. He went to the doctor. The doctor's like, Bill, how long have you had high blood pressure? He's like, I don't. He's like, you do today. Mm. And that got Bill's attention because Bill's dad had a stroke at 40 that left him disabled. Mm. Bill's grandfather had a stroke at 40 and he died. And so my very healthy husband was no longer healthy anymore. And so we went to his doctor when we got back home that Christmas Eve and he, the doctor said, Bill, you're burning the candle at both ends. You're a full-time author and speaker and a full-time pastor. And uh, if somebody came to you uh, for counsel, that had this erratic blood pressure issues, what would you say to them? And Bill said, you have some strategic decisions to make. Exactly. So Bill left that lead pastor out mm. of a church where he had raised our kids, where we loved the people, and most of them loved us. <laughs> and that was huge for Bill. Such a transition, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. so when we started just um, writing and speaking together. But shortly after he made that transition, there's this little window of time where um, our son Caleb was hit illegally in a junior high football game, rushed to children's hospital, ICU, blood transfusion. Um, Then we got him stabilized and um, we got a phone call that his brother was hit um, in a football game, had a concussion and oh a knee goodness. injury. And the next day, the junior college brother was 
hit in a football. Yeah, with <laughs> football players, and Bill was too. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was pulled out for a shoulder injury. It might end his opportunities for a full ride. And we were down to one income, so we needed mm-hmm. God to cover the college costs. And and um, so. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how'd you like the theater? You know, who do I say first? <laughs> and on top of that, my brother, who was 40, his wife called and said, uh, Brett's just had a heart attack. Could you come watch the kids while I go to the hospital with him? So, I mean, it really did feel like life was unraveling. But, you know, um, when I started praying, Lord, all my friends are saying, how you doing? And I don't know how to answer them because the answer is too long, too personal or too depressing. Like why wreck their day? Mm-hmm. And um, so I prayed, how do I answer these people? And he, God simply said, Pam, what kind of woman do you want to be? And I said, God, I want to be the kind of woman who can choose joy no matter what life sends your way. Mm-hmm. Because your word says in Nehemiah 8.10 that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And this family needs your strength right now. I choose you, Jesus. I choose joy. And my friends would say, Pam, how are you doing? And I'd answer them, woohoo, choose and joy. And, you know, it caught on. And every <laughs> speaking engagement, I share it. Uh, people now greet me with it. Choose and joy, choose and joy. I mean, <laughs> it's stuck like a gum on the bottom of your shoe. And then to ha- come full circle. And during COVID, uh, Harvest House asked uh, the three of us who write the Discovering the Bible series to write Discovering Joy in Philippians. <laughs> I'm like, thank you, Lord. I mean, you have helped me hang on to joy through your power, not my own, through so many ups and downs of life. Let's speak directly to the listener who's in those shoes where you were when when you had to choose joy. We have a listener sitting with us here at the table. And for the one who is struggling with something right now or a traumatic past, what does her heart need to hear? God sees you. God knows you. God cares about you. And God will move on your behalf. Mm. One of my favorite verses Uh, from the Psalms is God sweeps across the heavens to rescue. Mm -hmm. And I, that just is such a perfect picture of the God who loves us and the God who can produce joy in unspeakably difficult circumstances. Joy that's beyond comprehension is how it's put in Philippians, but we have to cultivate joy. It doesn't just like drop in from UPS. You know, we have to do our part. And um, so there's a few things that will help people uh, cultivate joy. And one is go on a joy hunt. So begin collecting verses that make your heart happy, that make you smile, that make you feel valued. Um, You know, I put them on post-it notes around where Mm -hmm. I put my makeup on, you know, so I see them often. You can put them uh, in a three by five card or a journal, but keep them someplace that you can refer to daily often. And then um, one of the things I learned from one of my friends who is a first responder, uh, oftentimes first responders, they go from everything looking all colorful and beautiful to like dull black and white and gray. And they just fall into a depression because they Mm. see the underside of life Mm -hmm. and um, they're exhausted on top of that. And so one of the things that um, professional counselors do when they work with people with PTSD and right now, because of the world we live in, pretty much all of us have some form of PTSD, (laughs) right, Um, is 
write down 30 things that you know that have always brought you joy in the past. And then I, I have a joy blossom. Like if people go to um, love-wise.com, they can download Infectious Joy. It's an ebook that has 30 verses of, mm-hmm. on joy and it's um, an art book. So mm-hmm. you can color. And the cool thing about coloring in verses uh, or doing anything creative is it, they're on two different sides of your brain. Your problems mm-hmm. are on one side of the brain and your creativity is on the other. So when you do creative things, it distracts you from your problems. And so, you know, do something creative, then do that joy moment. And for some people, it's like the perfect, you know, latte. Or for me, it's I walk the dock uh, or walk the beach or walk the lake, anything like outside. It could be you'll call up a best friend and just say, how are you doing? Uh, it could be I do art. Um, so doing some art, um, especially faith art, so any of those kind of things. So cultivate your own joy. Um, one a counselor who is the mom of four counselors. Okay, so <laughs> I, she's doing a pretty good job, I'd say. She told her girls, hey, we need to be our own best cheerleaders. And so cultivate things that give you joy, relationships that give you joy. Um, Write down the 10 or 15 friends that you feel like you're a better person after you spent time with them, that they're life givers. And, you know, spend some Mm -hmm. time being a life giver, but also spend some time with those life giving friends. Those are just a few things that I know work for me. The other thing Bill and I did. Okay. So we, we not only downsized to move onto a boat during COVID, the Marina shut down and Bill's parents health was like, they needed us 24 seven. So we moved inland into a 300 square foot trailer. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but that was not on my goal sheet. I want to grow up and live in a trailer in my in-law's backyard. You know that. And I saw you did Zooms even from out in the trees. Yes, yes. We did have a pretty backyard. So we created a little bistro. Here it goes. Cultivate joy. We created a little bistro table with cute little sparkly lights. And I would you know, do my Zooms uh, from there. In fact, we have friends, Jan, Laura, LaFoon, um, we're doing a conference for them in October up in beautiful Mackinac and that, but they're edutainers. So they're funny. And so during COVID they would do these comedy nights. And during one of the first comedy nights, they said, yeah, when we get in on each other's nerves, after being together for 24 seven, we just go to different parts of the house. And Bill and I started laughing. We were like, <laughs> we don't have different parts of the house. We have inside and outside. <laughs> but so to, to manage the stress of living that tiny, even tinier mm-hmm. than our boat. I mean, it was a, our boat's three times bigger than that 300 square foot. <laughs> so to manage that, we would go on these, we always have um, prayer walk together, um, but we changed the way we did it. On the way out, we would listen to Christian comedy mm-hmm. and laugh together. Um, sometimes we would tell each other like, really dumb knock knock jokes you know or we um the tegans friends of ours uh that are authors they have a series of kids comedy books like joke books for kids we would pull (laughs) one of those out and take it on the walk with us um 
And then on the way back, after laughing together, then on the way back, we would pray for each other. And my prayer typically would end with me hugging Bill saying, our today is not our forever. Mm. God sees, God cares, God knows, God will move on our behalf. So holding out hope. That is a great reminder for anybody listening to that our today is not our forever. Um, I, I think we can apply that on so many practical levels in our lives. You mentioned creativity, and I want to segue into talking about your latest book. You have two co-authors, Jean E. Jones and Carla Doornacher, and you've put together this, uh, well, it's a devotional, but a Bible study, but it includes creativity too, and that speaks to my heart because it anything creative makes me slow down and apply. Yep. So tell us a little bit about your new book, Discovering Good News in John. I know we've hinted at it a little. Right. So it's part of the Discovering the Bible series. This is number four. Currently, I'm writing number five, which would be Discovering Wisdom in Proverbs. It comes out mm-hmm. in 2023. But I'm um, discovering the good news in John. I thought, how... um How fun of God that as we emerge from a worldwide pandemic uh, and the headlines are so negative every day that God is calling the church to look for his good news, the gospel. And I I love my teammates. Um, God really did a miracle to bring us together. And when I was doing Discovering Hope in the Psalms was the first one. It really was Jean's Bible study, and she hired me to edit it. And she's like, if you like it, would you write a cover letter and send it on to your publisher? And I I thought, well, the best way to edit uh, is to do it. And so I began to do these Psalms of Hope in this really rich, deep Bible study. Jean's a fabulous Bible teacher. And so she she's so good. She can explain things for the newest believer because she came to faith uh, as a high school student. Um, And she like has these sidebars that are deep and rich and like, I never heard this stuff, you know, so seminary level and everything in between. So I love the way she writes. I do the devotionals applying uh, God's word to our everyday life. And um, the way that happened is I sent the Bible study on to Harvest House. I'm like, this is so great. Um, and they came back. They're like, it is. But Jean's like a brand new person, a brand new author. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really have a platform. Would she like be open to co-authoring in some level? And I said, I'll ask her. It's her Bible mm-hmm. study. And so I said, Jean, would you be open? Maybe I could write a devotional for each chapter. And she's like, yeah, yeah, if that'll help get hope out there. Yeah, let's do it. And I said, you know, the other thing, Jean, is you have us write a psalm uh, at the end of every chapter, and then you give us creative ideas. What if I ask one of my really good friends who's an award-winning artist, because scripture coloring books are hot, hot, hot mm-hmm. right now. Uh, I'll ask Carla, I would if she'd be open to doing coloring pages and bookmarks and beautiful illustrations that people can color all the way through. She's like, yes. Mm-hmm. And so we are just good friends. We, we are totally different in personality, but all three of us came to Christ out of craziness. So we understand, you know, that heartbeat of getting God's word out there and how important it is. And um, we value and appreciate each other's gift sets. We know that we could not, we're better together. And um, I'm thankful for my sweet sisters 
And I pray that we'll be able to do many more books of the Bible. And um, this one is particularly close to my heart because I tend to be somebody who likes to help people move from the negative to the positive. And what's more positive than God's good news? You know, the, the gospel of God leaving heaven to come down and truly rescue, redeem us um, and restore us and give us that future and a hope. Um, and in the book of John, uh, I get to write the devotionals. I wrote the devotionals based upon all the I am's that mm-hmm. Jesus said, you know, that he, he first one is I am. And that's a reflection back to um, the Old Testament. Basically, it means whatever you need in life, Jesus says, I am the answer to that need. I am the son of God. Well, you and I, we raise boys. We have a heartbeat for what does the son of God look like? What that sonship helping be with their parenting and God is the best parent ever. And then uh, Jesus says on the bread of life, you know, he's nurtures and nourishes us. He's the gate uh, of the, of the sheep. We've talked about that and the good shepherd, he's the resurrection and the life and the way, the truth and the life. And that word life, I especially love because it's the word Zoe in Greek. And that word, if I ever had a little girl, if I, I'm begging any of my uh, kids to name their little girls Zoe because it is the kind of life that is created by God and sustained by God and it's only available through God and I'm like oh what a great name to be named Zoe um, and then the vine when we transitioned uh, from selling our house and downsizing before we bought our boat um, Bill's sister um, owned a vineyard in California, and I actually got to work the vineyard. I got to be a vine dresser for six months, <laughs> and I didn't even know I was going to be able to write about the vine. But that was that's really special to share some of those insights. And then that Jesus is the light, and the Bible says that in Him was light, and that light was the light life of men. You know, we need light for that next step. And then lastly, Jesus is love. And he doesn't call himself love. He lived it out. And um, so I loved writing about Jesus um, because I just think the better we get to know Jesus, the happier we are, Mm -hmm. the more it's easier for us to spot good news when he's trying to send it our way because we start seeing things with him. Like, it's like putting on, you wear glasses, I wear glasses. I see so much better with glasses. (laughs) So it's like putting on a heavenly perspective, God's lens. We can then see good news coming our direction. We can see how to cultivate good news uh, in our own life. Uh, We can see how to be a good news giver. Mm -hmm. And in a world that's so negative, bring good news uh, and positivity uh, I like to say, you know, right now it's really trendy to, um, it's kind of a retro kickback, uh, good, good vibrations. I'm a beach boy kind of girl, you know, I live at the beach. Um, so, but you can't have good vibes without the good news. That is how we can have those good vibes. Those good, positive feelings is through the good news of the gospel that God loves us. And he came and he died for us and he wants to give us a new life, a new start, this book is packaged in such a great way that it's attractive. And so it's like, it's packed with excellent content and then it's attractive. And then it's got also, Carla has these 
cool like how to's and stuff in yes, there too. Yes, she teaches us <laughs> yes. art. She's the best art teacher ever. Yeah, it's like the kind of thing that you can do with your girlfriends. You like you yeah. can do this on your own. You could do it as a Bible study, but you you could also just do this one-on-one with a friend. And what I love about it is that it's the book of John. And it's the kind of thing that no matter where your friend is on their spiritual journey, we often tell people to start in the book of John with right. learning about Jesus and learning the good news of the gospel. So this is that kind of book that you can do with a friend no matter where they are on that journey. I've even seen it's pretty multi-generational. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I have a high school, a junior high, and a grade school granddaughter. And we I can easily, like, copy like xerox um the coloring pages Mm -hmm. and have a really great conversation as we color about whatever that topic is and it's amazing that a six-year-old and a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old and nana can can talk deep about god uh, while we're coloring yeah 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 i love that so you know what's really cool is that life repurpose started out as a blog called faith creativity everyday life and your book takes faith creativity and everyday life and it puts it all together so i think that's why it really spoke to my heart so where can people where can our listeners find you and find this book they can find me at love dash wise our ministry is love wise Uh, we like to say we park ourselves on the corner of god's love and god's wisdom uh the book of proverbs says the one who gets wisdom loves life Mm -hmm. and we all want to love our life right so love wise so if you want a signed copy of any of the 57 books uh then that would be the place to go or um you can email me through that website love wise as well um, and then, of course, it's on all of our books are on Amazon. And um, also right now, uh, typically ChristianBook.com uh, likes to run sales. Mm. So if you happen to love to buy from Christian Book, um, they, they, are, they typically run better prices than Amazon. But if you have Amazon Prime, you get free, mm-hmm. you know, free postage. So uh, either of those places are great places to get it quickly. Sure. Yeah. So I will link in the show notes so people can find that as well. And um, they can find your your books, but also your articles and all the other resources that you have out there. And I will be putting up uh, some free downloadables that I created for discovering good news in John, including a video, uh, five ways to cultivate a good news life and a sunshine sheet. That's what I call it. That every day before you go to sleep, you write down the good news, the blessings, you don't count your many blessings uh, that God gave that day. And you do it every week, every night before you go to bed. And then you just collect it. And, you know, at Thanksgiving around the table, you could help your family remember some of the goodness Mm -hmm. of God that happened, you know, between the time you pick up good news and then Thanksgiving or uh, as we enter the new year. That's another fun time to review the blessings of God. And what did God do last year? And what are our prayer requests for this coming year? In fact, I have a fun tradition. I'll give it as a freebie to your listeners. We we always do a family prayer time together um, 
and it usually happens on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. And um, I I give everybody a three by five card and everybody shares their prayer request verbally. And then we listen for one minute and see what God is asking us to share with that person uh, a, you know, a verse, a quote, a drawing, um, because we have kids, you know, age two to 82. And so um, Bill shared the year we downsized um, to take care of his aging parents. He's like, you know, I need strength and stamina and I need a robust sense of humor. (laughs) And our uh, then 11 year old granddaughter wrote, dear Jesus, please help Papa be strong with a picture of a superhero (laughs) and give him a better personality. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so fun. So you have all kinds of stuff there. I'm definitely going to link to your website. And for the listener, if you're listening to this right after the episode drops, we're also giving away a copy of Discovering Good News in John. So you'll want to find me on Instagram for that. So Pam, we're going to be wrapping up. I feel like I could talk to you for a very long time, but... (laughs) We have two shows here. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, um, you're, you mentioned something about being a cheerleader. And that really, if I think of you, you really are a cheerleader. You're a cheerleader of other writers and of people who are coming up behind you on the journey of faith and for marriages and all those things. So, um, as, I just want to thank you for for being on Life Repurposed and bringing your bubbly cheerleader encouragement to all of us and to my listeners. My joy. We are kindred hearts <laughs> in um, wanting to be good news givers. Yeah. So thank you for having me on, Michelle. And I'm going to hold you to it. I love you a latte and I'll even buy you one. We we definitely have to sit down for that <laughs> coffee in person. That sounds great. <laughs> You'll find the show notes to this episode at michellerayburn.com slash 144. I have some images you can share there and all those links to the things that Pam talked about in the episode, plus information about the giveaway of Pam's latest book. So check out michellerayburn.com slash 144. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com to get the show notes for this episode. Each week, I share links to everything mentioned in the episode, graphics you can share, and guest quotes. I also invite you to join the Life Repurposed Facebook community for weekly conversation with others on the journey of discovering the repurposed life. Before you go, which friend needs to hear this episode? Share a link with a note to invite them to listen.